Welcome to the Child Free Wealth Podcast, hosted by Bree and Dr. J, Certified Financial Planner. Here we discuss life and finances as it relates to being child free. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your advisor before implementing any ideas heard on this podcast. Hey, Child Free Wealth listeners, it is January 2024. I am so lost in what year it is. I'm old school enough that like crossing out the dates on checks, I, you know, I get the date wrong there. I get it wrong everywhere, but we're in a new year. It's interesting. Beginning of the new year, there's some psychological tricks happen. People go make their New Year's resolutions, which probably by the time you listen to this, you already gave those up. But we said, hey, it's a new year. We should start our finances off on the right foot. And we're going to walk you through a whole bunch of kind of tips, tricks, and things to think about for the year. And Bree, you got any like big... I don't know, money resolutions for you for the year? Ours is just finish paying off debt, get our emergency fund. And then we've got a couple of things that we just want to buy for our house as well. That's fair. We just uh, finished a move, actually. And like, I have no clue where anything is. So I don't even have a clue what the year's going to look like. But a lot of fun stuff going on with the business and other things. So that's where all my time is. But. Bree, you made a list of things that people should think through. And the first one is talking about giving grace. What does that mean? Yeah. So whenever you start off talking about money and digging in your money, it can be really hard and emotional sometimes. I always want to say, you know, give yourself some grace. Be proud of yourself for even starting this journey because starting is always the first step with whatever you do. That is always the hardest and it can be a, a big struggle and to even get there. So once you've gotten there, I want you to be proud of saying, okay, yes, I'm going to work on this. Now I'm going to tackle these things because it can be overwhelming, especially if you don't feel like you know where to start. What I like to do at the end of the year, beginning of the year, whichever you want to look at it, is I actually go through all my accounts, look what I spend because I'm doing expenses for the business and everything else. And I usually find myself beating myself up for like how much I spend on Amazon. Like or something along those lines. And I'm in a decent financial place. I can afford it, but it's still not a great thing. And I think the natural thing is to look at the you know, gap rather than the gain. There's a, both the gap and the gain. And you can look at this and say, hey, what did I do well this year? Or what did I do wrong? Or what do I want to fix this year? What do I want to do more of? I think when we start new years, people tend to start with like, this is what sucks. You know, like I have to fix this pain versus saying, Yep, I actually did some okay stuff last year and not beating yourself up for the past. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. We can often get down on ourselves and say, well, we didn't do this. Well, yeah, you didn't do it in the past, but you've also done other things that got you to this point of saying, I want to dig in. And that is really good because even no matter what it is, just getting there and recognizing and recognizing that gain can be difficult like you said, versus always seeing the gap. So I think I'm going to start the year out and say, hey, I've done these really good things and I'm going to continue to do more good things. That's fair. And I get kind of like back and forth and I want you your opinion, Bree. So we say, all right, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to start the journey. Should we have like a perfect goal that says, hey, this is exactly, yeah, I want to save $40,000 this year or pay off $5,000 of debt. Or I mean, were you more kind of like be okay with any game? I'm more okay with any gain, especially when you're starting, because I think it's unrealistic to say, if you've never tracked anything before and you just say, okay, I want to save $40,000 this year, but you have no idea what your expenses are 
or what your income is or anything like that. It just kind of comes in and goes out and you've never tracked it. If you say $40,000, that might not be realistic for you. And then you might spend the entire year trying to get there and realize, oh, wait, I'm not going to make that happen and then just give up. Yeah, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. So when I try to set my goals for the year, I've now got a point where I try to set achievable goals versus crazy goals. And I think if you don't have a like a number or a goal or something, you can almost spend too much time thinking about it. You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to learn about finance this year. Cool. And then what? Like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to pay down debt or I'm going to save more. I'm going to something that's measurable. I think the good thing about finance is measurable. The bad thing is that measure could be a positive or negative. It, we got to get away from being a scoreboard. But your second point, you're kind of walking is beginning of the year, you should calculate your net worth, which is literally the scoreboard. So tell me about that. That can give you a great idea of where to start. So calculating your net worth, it can also sometimes be overwhelming because we don't understand what that is. That is taking up everything that you own, your home, anything in your bank accounts, investments, all of that, add it together, and then subtract everything that you owe. So any credit card debt, car loans, student loans, mortgage, anything like that. And whatever that number is, is your net worth. And that can be positive or negative. Yeah. And by the way, net worth, somebody asked me this question. Does that include like your monthly bills? No, that's not the point. It's like, you know, I have debts and I own stuff. You know, monthly, I, I got to pay my internet access. That's not part of your net worth calculation. My take on net worth is there's three steps. There's getting to zero, which is actually the hardest one. Getting to a is technically positive net worth. Most people in the US actually are at a negative net worth, and that's the truth. It's not judging, it just is. The next is 100,000. Getting from zero to 100,000 is much easier than getting from negative to zero. And then getting from 100,000 to a million net worth is actually just a matter of time. And people go, well, that's not right. They, you know, you, no, it is. If you put your money in, invest it, and you wait long enough, you will be a millionaire. Um, now, mind you, if you're old like me, you might not have as many years as Bree has. You know, she could probably put the money away and wait 40 years and yeah, you know, I'd be almost dead by then. But I think the net worth is a good measure where you're at. I look at mine twice a year. You know, kind of middle of the year, I kind of like look at it and the end of the year. But one of the things to look at if you're looking at your net worth is how much money did you put in or take out versus how much did you make in the market? Yeah, you know, some years the stock market will completely skew your own bad behaviors on net worth. You're doing great in the market and all of a sudden it, you miss that you spend an extra 20 grand or on something. Or, on the other hand, the market could be down a lot and you've done very well on everything else. So it's kind of a skewed metric. I mean, how do you look at your net worth? I tend to be that very like goal achiever, you know, always had to get 100% in class. And so for me, looking at my net worth can be kind of difficult. And we started out the year of 2023 after we got married, negative net worth, and now it's positive. But that was really hard for me. And one day we got on a call with Dr. Dave, my wife and I did. And he was like, okay, you need to look at this. Like, look, it's gone from negative to positive. And my wife goes, yeah, she already knew that. She watched it like every day, which is true because it really stressed me out that it was negative. And so I kept watching. I was like, okay, we're almost there. We're almost at positive. And now that it's positive, I don't tend to look at it as much. And I still look at it every once in a while, but it's not the same obsessiveness that I had before. Yeah. So for those that don't catch this, Bree and her wife actually are, they do financial planning with me. That's one of those things I, you know, any of my staff that want to do financial planning, they can work with me like they would a client. And I often will call out people's net worth 
and seeing the change. You know, so I did this with quite a few clients this year. And, and I said, okay, you know, I had somebody that was spending a lot of money because that was part of their goal, trying to die with zero, wind down their wealth. And I'm like, and your net worth still went up. And they're like, wait, what? You didn't spend enough. So it's possible to be not be spending enough or not saving enough. I think that's a hard part for people to understand. But the net worth is the scoreboard. If you are trying to die with zero, wind down your wealth, you have to bend that curve down at some point because otherwise all your money is going to your estate. But you should know what your score is. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to be very, very, very strict on this. Your net worth is not your self-worth, okay? Positive net worth doesn't make you better than somebody with a negative net worth. I think people just, they mix these things. And we've got a separate episode coming out with uh, Sherry Johnson talking about self-worth and she does a lot of work on this. I think the question is, to you, Brie, were you measuring your self-worth by your net worth, watching it that close? I think I was for a while just because I had never, like I've talked about it before, I grew up with a lot of privilege. I never had loans or anything. And having a positive net worth all the time to getting married and everything's now one and now it's negative, that really bothered me. And that was very, very hard to mentally deal with. And now I'm like, okay, no, I made a commitment. Like I strongly believe two becomes one. And it's a little bit of like, I have a religious background when I talked about, I think everything is one and I need to, needed to accept that. You know, we, I married my wife because I love her, not because of anything else, even though like I'm not, don't fault her for any of this because she did what she needed to do and we're doing good in life. It was just, I tied too much of it, two becomes one, but now I've failed in some way and that's not true, but it was still hard for me. So you're saying- Marrying somebody with debt lowered your own self-worth as measured by net worth. Yes. In my mind, that's what it was doing. And it wasn't right. It's still not right that I thought that. But it for a while, it was just very stressful because I was like, I don't know what, like, I know what to do. But also, I don't know, like, can we actually do this? Yeah, I'm calling this out because people see the number on net worth. And like, it's like the joke about a scale. What is a scale? Well, it's a number that tells you if you're having a good or bad day. You know, you get on the scale today and you're like, ooh, I'm up a pound. Oh, my world's come to net. No, you drank more water last night. Okay, like, or less. Your net worth is somewhat the same. You know, the market does what the market does. You've got inputs. You don't have full control over it. But if you're going to say, hey, I married somebody. I got debt. I'm now worth less. That's not fair. No, it's not. It is real though. Yeah, it's not fair at all. And I fully admit that. I think part of it was really hard because we have a prenup and I hope prenup is the most expensive thing that I never use. We both say that. But when you do a prenup, you have to list out every single thing that you have and they calculate your net worth and then your future spouses and they give you these papers and it says your net worth in big, bold letters on it. And so that was really stressful to get that. So we got that a few weeks before our marriage. It was prenup was signed and finalized. They say, here you go. Now go get married. And that part stressed me out. And it just kind of made me spiral a little bit when I shouldn't have been. And I think that's real. I mean, a lot of people don't want to calculate their net worth because they're worried it's going to like destroy them. If I see this negative number, I'm going to, you know, and especially with student loans and all the other things that people are struggling with. But at the same time, we do need a we do need a measure. Finances, I mean most of the behavior, but we do need a number. Like at some point, I think it's just that separation to remember you are not your career and you are not your net worth. And I just think in the US, we 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 get that wrong, let's just say. 
calling out, you should measure your net worth. You should look at it once or twice a year. Don't let it measure you. All right. Next up on Bree's list for the four things we should do at the beginning of the year. Number three is gather your income and expense statements. What do you mean and why? I want you to gather all of your pay stubs and see exactly what is coming in to your bank account every month. Because especially if you have it split up between different accounts, it can sometimes be hard to figure out, well, what am I making? Our, my salary is whatever, $60,000, $70,000 a year. But that doesn't mean that that's what you're actually taking home every month. Because you have taxes taken out, you can have health insurance taken out, other deductions. And so figuring out what's actually coming to your bank account that you have to use is really important. And using your pay stub is the easiest way to go about that. And then also just figuring out your expenses is what am I spending money on every month? You know, what's my rent? What's my mortgage? What other bills do I have that I need to be paid every month? And, you know, what are the things outside of those fixed expenses that I'm also spending money on every month? And by looking at your bank statements or credit card statements, you can figure out where your money is going. Because oftentimes, I know at least my bank will say, for the year, this much has gone into the account. And for the year, this much has been spent which is great, but that doesn't say where the money is going. So actually taking time to look through those things and say, you know, what is realistic to spend on groceries every month? I don't know. If you've never looked at it before, you're not going to know like what your average is. And so taking the time to sit down, it can be very overwhelming, but just looking at it a little bit to get a better idea is going to be helpful. By the way, that's why you should start with give yourself some grace because we're getting deeper into this stuff. We're digging in. I mean, you know, the expense one, I always, like, I get to the end of the year, I'm like, did I really spend that much on fill in the blank, dining out, Amazon, whatever my bad habit was for the year? REI. And yep. What's that? I said REI. <laughs> yeah, we all have it. The other one, by the way, I like to do at this step when you're gathering all your expenses is look to see if there's any subscriptions you should cancel. You know, I joke, but it's true. My one, like, luxury financially is I keep all the streaming services, but I'll still look at it and go like, you got nothing new on this service. This one should just go away for now. The Apple TV one, the Apple Plus, or whatever they call it now. That's the one that I tend to just subscribe for like a month and then get rid of because it doesn't have enough stuff in between. You might have other like that. The used to be old school was the gym membership that you ever gone in forever, you know, or whatever it is. It's a good time to look at that. I think when you look at your pay stubs, my other one on that is to look and see if anything increased or shrinked as far as like your expenses, as far as like the the take home versus the gross and saying, oh, what the heck? This benefit now is more than I thought. Unfortunately, you might not be able to change some of that, but you need to know that. The other thing that's going to happen is if you have a income that's 150000 plus, remember, Social Security, you were getting, you might have went over the maximum last year. It's going to come back the first of the year. Same with 401k. If you saved everything in the beginning of the year, of beginning of last year, and you weren't paying last at the end of the year, it's going to come back. Like these things are going to magically change. I think one of the harder one on this on gather your income is if you have your own small business. You know, if you have your own small business, you need to be following something like the profit first method and knowing what your business brings in and doesn't. Um, and you need to keep your personal and your business expenses separate. All right. Number four on Bree's list is create a budget. Okay. This is now. Like, budget is like diets, okay? Nobody wants to do either of them, but, like, we got to. I mean. Yeah, so budgeting is never a fun word. 
but it is important. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, you know, every successful business has a budget. If they didn't, they wouldn't be able to pay you. In order for you to be able to pay your bills, you also need to have a budget in place. And a budget is a plan. It is not going through and tracking your expenses at the end of the month and saying, oh, what did I spend on? It is intentionally taking the time before the month starts to say, this is what I have coming in this month. And these are the bills that I'm going to have to pay. And this is where my money is going to go. And it's creating a plan for your money versus letting your money just go wherever. There's actually some psychology around this. So we shouldn't use the word budget, just like we shouldn't use the word diet. I don't really care that much. But like we call ours the money management system, looks at must, shoulds, coulds, and won'ts. There's tools, there's apps, there's, I don't care which budget you use or what tool, if it conscious spending plan or whatever, I don't care. But you have to have a plan for your money. And I think with budgeting, people think about like, well, you're going to tell me I can't buy my latte or avocado toast. Like that's so trope at this point. No, that's not the point. What we're trying to say is, hey, do you want your money to go to the trip to Paris you want to do? Or do you want it to be going to Amazon? And I keep picking on Amazon because that's my personal one. The other one I've seen a whole lot. You had a publish spent a DoorDash last year and you'll find out you weren't budgeting that well. I mean, whatever it is, it's a question of what are, is it going to your goals or is it going to just mindless spending? One of the things I like to watch out for is what I call the stuff budget. And it's not really a budget. It's just like the extra money I spent on stuff that I don't know what I spent. That's the mindless spending we're trying to get you away from. So Bree, what's your favorite budget system? I was using the free Google Sheet for a while. Really like that. And now I'm using Monarch Money. I think it, it can be really helpful and it's just quick and easier. When you're first starting to budget, I prefer to use a Google Sheet because I think it makes you a little bit more intentional. You have to sit down with it and look at things a bit more than an app that just automatically categorizes things because it can be easy to say, oh, it's already done that, but you do have to go back and sometimes fix categories on there. Yeah, and we can include a link to our money management into the tracking system. Bree's got a whole system. She's the budget expert around our team. And when you're looking at the budget, my thing is, don't expect to get the first month right. Expect to get it better each time. Don't blame the app because it's really not the app. It's you. It's how you're using it. Which app you like? I don't care. I've been using Mint forever. Now Mint's going away. I don't know what I'm going to change to, but I got to do something. Some people love uh, You Need a Budget, YNAB. Let out Monarch. I don't care. It's what works for you. And the key, though, is you want to set a budget and then each week be looking at it saying, are we on it or not? Now, I want to be very clear. There's a big difference between budgeting and accounting. Budgeting is the beginning of the month. We have a plan for it and we do it. Accounting is at the end of the month, like, what did we spend? Well, if you're just going at the end of the month going, what did we spend? You can't change anything. It's already spent. A budget is intentional. Yeah. And it's going to be ahead of ahead of time and then checking in on that budget on a regular basis through having budgeting meetings, whether that be with yourself or with any partner that you share finances with, going through, taking time each week to check in on and say, hey, you know, what have we spent so far in this category? Are we still doing good? Maybe we went over in this category. And so we need to take a little bit of money from a different category to adjust things and still be able to stay within our income. Yeah. And by the way, with budgeting, it's a lifelong struggle. Like It's like just, you know, did I get it right? Do I have to tune this up down? Because what will happen then is people get great at budgeting and saving money. And then I'll have to talk to them about spending money. It's something that you're always tuning. Now, I have a fifth point I want to add in here for the beginning of the year. I want you to have a plan for what you're going to learn for finances for the year. I don't care what topic. 
we all have things we can learn. Uh, pick a topic that's going to be your focus. Now, you like books, you can pick up books. Yeah, we've got our book club. You can see some of the ones we recommend. We've also got uh, 15 courses, 100 videos. Put a link in there for there. There's actually a free trial there, so you can all get all that. But I don't care what you're learning, but you need to be learning something. Bree, what are you learning for 2024? Wow, I got the year right. That's a good question. I just haven't thought about it yet. I, you know, I'm still going through the certified financial planning curriculum. Obviously, I'm going to be learning a lot there, whether it be more about taxes. What else do I have? Try not, not to think like too far ahead on my, my classes here. I think taxes I still have to do. And then more on retirement planning, investment planning. So I'm going to be learning a lot of things. Probably too many to list here. At Child Free Wealth, we actually said that all of our employees should be spending 10% of their time learning something every week, every month, every whatever it is, because you need to constantly be growing. You know, personally, I'm looking at um, not so fun stuff about trusts and uh, scaling businesses and legalese and I don't know, uh, nothing that's fun for this topic. On a personal side, I'm always trying to learn something each year. I think my goal for 2024 is like figure out a new hobby. You know, I go through hobbies like every year or two. Reed keeps pushing me to do something outside of work. Yeah, I, right now when you run your own company, a little crazy. My wife just asked me, what's going to be your hobby for the year? I don't know. Maybe I'll find a good video game that I like, but I, that usually lasts about a week because then I blow through it. My point is for everybody, you need to have something you're learning. You need to have something you're growing, something to work through. Yeah, this podcast works. Yeah, there's different things you can listen to podcasts. There's different between listen to a podcast and actively learning. I think one of the things I will cost you if you are an internet fan, you're on the podcast, because you listen to this, you are, try not to mix your recipes financially. I don't care which plan you follow, just pick one. You can't pick Dave Ramsey, get out of debt, and the Grant Cardone, get all the debt. You can't put those together. Be very careful on that. We actually end up with a lot of clients having to unprogram things they've read online or other things, so you start mixing recipes. I think the other challenge from a financial standpoint is to learn where you're at. If you haven't done a budget and you haven't worked through your network, then you haven't looked at finance. We have a course called Financial Foundations. It's the basics. People go, well, but I want to talk about investments. Yeah, I know. We'll get there. But we need the, the foundations done first. And I think it's just a natural thing that you want to push yourself further. Does that make sense, Bree? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And I've worked with this with clients and talked to them about it before. And I'll often say, hey, you know, I get that you want to do this, but we need to do these first steps and work on a budget because we need to learn to walk before we can run. And sometimes... I'll even tell people using too much brain power, just stop reading so many things because you're taking so much in, which is great. And I'm glad you're learning, but there is a point where it's too much. I think if, you, if you're learning stuff and not doing anything with it, you haven't learned. You're, you're just reading things. Actually changing your behaviors takes time. You need to understand it. You need to make those changes. You need to see them and then make tweaks and work it through. Just reading every book that's on the shelf behind Bree is not going to help now, Bree, I saw you were going to try to help some other folks. For those that don't know, in our uh, self-directed course, our Child Free Wealth Academy, we actually have regular Q&As, but that's only for people that are part of it. And you're going to do one for everybody. Is that fair? Yeah. So on January 10th, it'll be um, 5 p.m. Eastern, but I'm not sure. You got to figure out your time zone for that. I'm going to do a free Q&A just kind of to help you get your started on your money journey for 2024. And it'll be, there is a limit, spots are limited. I'll put that link in the show notes. You can sign up for it, come for an hour, ask questions, 
and you can stay the whole hour. You can just stay a few minutes, whatever works for you. I'm happy to answer any questions. What type of questions do you usually get in these Q&As? I get a lot of different questions. Sometimes it is a, hey, you know, I don't understand how to use this system, especially like with our right capital system, the budgeting part on there. People sometimes need help with that. So sometimes it's specific like that or it's, hey, you know, I know I need to do my estate planning. What is a will? Can you just explain that? Can you tell me? And so I can answer that. What is, how do I figure out my deductible? One, one I got recently was, you know, I read something about I need to change my insurance deductible. Should I d- be doing that? I'm like, well, these are some things to think about on there and what coverage is enough. So it can be any, you know, I just don't understand the, what a word is or a concept is that I've heard. Or it can be a bit more in depth and say, you know, can you really take and explain the specific topic? Yeah. And I've done a few of these uh, Q&As. I've done Instagram lives and others that did this. And I think what I've found is because we're putting a group of child-free folks together in a room to ask Q&As, it's a completely different set of questions. Yes, budgeting is still the same. Getting out of debt is still the same. But then, it, but then it takes a hard right turn. And I think part of the bonus of a group Q&A is like somebody will ask a question. And you're like, and people go, I didn't have the guts to ask that question. I really want to know. And I often, when I do these Q&As, I'll like try to rotate between people, get everybody turns. And somebody will say, I don't have a question, but I want you to go back to so-and-so because they had a great question on. And that's just great. It's a free, was it one-hour event? Yep, one hour. January 10th on Zoom. Depending on how many people, you might get to half a dozen, 10, 15 questions. I have no clue. Depends. Sometimes the questions are easy. Yes. All right, next. Like <laughs> other times, it's I would say join Brie for that Q&A. Also, if you want one-on-one help, Brie is taking clients now. You can actually sign up. We'll put the link there. Yes, that costs money. Let's just be honest on that. But you get the one-on-one personal help and you can work through your entire financial plan. Brie is our newest child-free wealth specialist, which means she has spent the past year with me learning ins and outs of finances around being child-free and the way we do things at child-free wealth. She is awesome at this. I have a feeling that's going to like fill up pretty quick. Brie has a limit in number of clients she can get. If you had any interest, feel free to to click the link that's in the in the notes or you can get the free Q&A. We're just trying to get you to get the year started right. That's the hard part. Now, by the way, come like May, something random will happen in the other place. We'll help you then too. But like, at least we can start it off on the right foot. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a rating or review. We'd love to keep the conversation going. Follow Child Free Wealth on social media or email us at podcast at childfreewealth.com. If you're interested in working together, learn more by visiting our website, www.childfreewealth.com. We'll see you next time.